Hello and welcome to a new generation, a new series of TARDIS Tropes. Uh, I'm David, your companion. And I'm Hannah, your other companion. And I'm Victor, the guest companion. <laughs> You're a mainstay by this point, Victor. You've been on here for, for two whole seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we're out of the Chibnall era, and we're firmly in Russell T. D.'s second take on New Who. R2D we can call it Newer squared. Who, we can call it R2-D2, R2-D squared. R2-D2. Uh, R- yeah, we can call it whatever we want, because it's a whole new era. We can call it the Disney Plus era. Um, although I'm told that these specials uh, did not have any Disney money involved. Uh, they were simply licensed as part of this deal to produce uh the next season which will star uh shutigatwa as the 15th doctor but, but that until has then, disney money that has disney money okay. uh nice. and uh and and until that point we have the 14th doctor the 10th again doctor <laughs> 10. 10.2 uh david Tennant is back um and we like him right Yes, I like him. We're a big fan. And Catherine Tate is back, and we like her. We love her. We're so excited. And Wilfred Mott is back, and we like him. Ah, uh, so yeah. good. I love Wilfred. I, okay, I do really feel like you are you are really understating the excitement that at least <laughs> I am genuinely feeling. Like, you know, I I am happy to come in here as a little bit of the the like very happy fangirl. Um, cause it's, I think that's great. I think I that's just, really fantastic. I, I I'm don't worried know. I've aged out of the demo, you know, yeah? a little bit. I don't, you know, I still go back and watch the, the, you know, seasons one through 12, uh, or I guess 13, like over and over again. But, you know, you, you don't, do you really don't rewatch know. the Chimalera over and over again? <laughs> Well, I did recently we were producing uh, podcasts. But, but do you ever do it for fun? Do you ever just like, like you ever go like, oh, I want to watch some Doctor Who. Let me put on the Battle of Askara Papata Pachichpatu. The Battle of Ranskor of Kolos. Oh Victor. my god. Um, sure. Yeah. Why not? But it's not you know not nearly my my favorite season. I, I'd say you know now we're in this new era and we're trying to bring in new fans and reclaim old fans because we've shed a lot of fans over yes. the course and so i guess i'm a little bit distant from these episodes because i see them less as the story that needed to be told and more as damage control or like a resume for potential doctor who fans that says that russell can still do it he but can still do uh he can still do campy he can still do family friendly he can still do spooky hide behind the couch he can still do, uh, you know, quirky, funny, and he can still do dramatic, angsty. Sure. <laughs> angsty boy. Yeah. But yes. that is the story that needed to be told, David, because everyone had lost faith in the show. And so he yeah. kind of needed a proof of concept that there's still there's still blood, blood there. It can be both tactical yeah. and, you know, uh, matter in a character sense as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think Chudy. Once we get into like the Chudy stuff, yeah, I expect that to be more of its own kind of standalone story. But yeah, I expect. I mean, it's a 60th anniversary, and it definitely yeah. comes at a time where 
they're trying to re-engage the fan base because they've lost so much goodwill. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it made sense. I think it was a smart move to bring back the most popular Doctor Companion combo, even though it's not my f- personal favorite Doctor Companion combo, um, and the most popular Doctor Who writer, or at least one of the big two. <laughs> um, yeah. And by the way, I don't want to imply that I'm saying that all of the love lost with the fans was just because of Chibnall. I mean, obviously there was the huge uh, backlash against Moffat mm-hmm. uh, post-season seven. And, and also the... season of Sherlock where right. people were saying, you know, this is the sex- most sexist man on the BBC <laughs> and, you know, completely dismissed, uh, I... you know, any future seasons where he may have tried to revise or or uh well or, th- or fix any of those those issues that I, he had. I think the biggest thing for obviously i think a lot of people did tune off during the moffat era especially because season seven was pretty bad but also it was around capaldi's start where it went off netflix where like a lot right. of people stopped watching because the last season was dog shit and then like it was hard to watch and the first couple of episodes of capaldi aren't that good so i thought that definitely hurt it and then yeah the chibnall era was just like real real tough for even the diehards to get through so i it, it was it was a long-term coming in terms of loss of viewership but yeah but i think the numbers are good i haven't seen the number disney doesn't release numbers obviously uh but i think the numbers are good we're, yeah i think people are happy we're, <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of people talking I'll, about i'll say new, this new doctor Who. uh david tried talking to me beforehand before the specials had aired uh you know about news about it and i was like oh they've announced things like i (laughs) like i'm still an active participant on tumblr consecutively like since like 2011 so you know if and i followed doctor who people when i joined so you would think that some of this would be getting back to me somehow heard nothing post the specials Mm. Tons of Doctor Who content again. Like Right. I mean, if anything, you could say that the biggest success of the Star Beast is uh, you know, audience cultivation. Sure. Because it's specifically saying who is not the audience and who is the audience, and that discourse erupts online. And, well, you know, all the people who are saying now, Oh, I'm never gonna watch this Russell T Doctor Who stuff because it's too woke. Right. They'll be back. Of course. You know? They'll get well, it's also contra- so, I mean, also, so you really need to get the wokes on board, I think. The, I mean, the controversy also just inspires people to talk about it, which just is good advertising. Exactly. Like people are, if there's yeah, a conversation, had nothing so to talk controversial about. Yeah, as all of that. <laughs> I mean, there's just not nothing the, to not talk what, about. Not that what Russell does should be controversial in any way or should turn off viewers. I'm not saying that, but you know, uh, but Chibnall literally just wouldn't touch anything with a ten foot pole and was such a you know, centrist Brit, mm-hmm. uh, that he couldn't, he couldn't say anything shocking. Hey, that, that's not true. No, exactly. He, he said you should die for Amazon, and if you, if you have a problem with that, <laughs> you're a, you're the problem. Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's, oh it's like God. a centrist take. I know, don't think it's a centrist take. To, it's a, it's only it's, offensive to people who are actually processing this it's stuff. It's certainly a yeah, liberal yeah. capitalist take. Yeah. That, like, maybe a few people need to die for Amazon, you know? Just, like, yeah, maybe. every now and again. And you just need right. some uh, the management to just kind of get a memo about it, and then, then they'll <laughs> get on, on board. That's the only problem. <laughs> It'll be fine. 
so yeah, we've been talking for a while. Let's let's just get right into a recap so that we can get to some points, possibly of disagreement, possibly of adulation, possibly of criticism. Uh, so we're gonna talk about the Star Beast. Can uh, I do like a try my hand please. at like a quick like one minute summary of the whole episode? All right. Hit the timer, Victor. All right. Uh, okay, one second. Let me get a timer ready. We're at 8.30 now. Okay. So, in this episode, the doctor returns to London, meets Donna Noble again, um, meets her daughter, and her reconnects with her family in general. Um, meanwhile, a spaceship crashes to Earth. Some aliens get out. One of them is evil. Some of them are good. Um... Donna's daughter, whose name is Rose, <laughs> takes, saves an alien who turns out to be evil. It's Beep the Meep. I didn't know him beforehand. Um, and then we, I still have 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Unit shows up also. There's some mind control. The doctor pulls a shadow proclamation. There's banter with Donna gets her memory back. They work together. Uh, there's a like speech about feminism question mark at the end and then they're done all right that was a minute and two seconds so i feel like that was fine Did a great job. ruined it Ru- you didn't Ru- you didn't spoilers. get it you never also, said the word psychedelic also, son yeah you never oh. said the words uh the meeps pronouns yeah the beef are, yeah you said uh, I'm, I'm you refer to beep the meep as he surface so. level Surface you, level, just the general gist of what the you fuck still, is going on. You still on. refer to Beep the Meep as a he, and that is incorrect. Oh, I did. It is a, be- it is a, beep. a beep. It is a Beep. It is a Beep the Meep. Beep is the Meep. Beep is the Meep. Article. Yeah. Yeah. So the, for those of you who aren't aware, this is based on a comic book, and so the writers of that comic are credited uh, in the episode. Um, and I've seen some people who are obviously extremely attached to this story who, you know, notice the, the minute changes to it. But the, the real, you know, thing that they kept is the designs of the Meep and the Rarth, um, who are, you know, I, I think they look fantastic. I mean, the practical the... effects with CGI layered on top, it's just excellent. It, it looked it, all the way through. Absolutely incredible. Like, I, the minute I saw the Meep, I was just like, oh my god, RTD is back. Like, we are back in the practical world. Like, it's just such craftsmanship on on so much of it. And and I agree, like, the, the silhouette alone on um, the, what, what are they? The Rarth. The Rarth. The silhouette on the Rarth is just, like, really beautiful. You know, I'm pronouncing it with an American accent, which no one ever does in the interviews. So I'm assuming it's pronounced Rarth because they call it the Roth. You know? Roth. It just sounds like Roth. It's probably Roth. the Roth. But Roth. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's I think it's spelled Rarth. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised that you you mentioned that this doesn't have the Disney money in it because both these episodes definitely look higher budget than your average Doctor Who episode by a lot. Like they're they're. Nice I mean, they look episodes. a lot better than 2005 to 2009 for sure. You know? But those are great episodes. They they don't need good effects I, to be. Well I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, it's a noticeable budget increase, and I, I think, yeah. um, like my parents watched the first episode with me, and they weren't paying like a ton of attention, but they did watch it. And I think that they wouldn't have watched it if it looked 
as cheesy as it normally does. Like, I do think that his effects make it more palatable to a mainstream audience. Yeah. There's TV creep going on where where TV just in general looks better now, and so it has to look this good. Mm -hmm. Now, I I will say, I wish that they had uh, made an angry Meep figure. Yeah. Because I do think as soon as Meep goes angry, it looks the slightest bit worse in the eyes and the ears because they're just manually going like and flipping them up and making them angry uh which is you know it's different than just modeling what is actually physically there mm-hmm. um but in general looks pretty good the you know the camera movement was not uh jarring it wasn't you know uh you know we, we talked about with like something like witch finders or something back in uh season 11 where you literally couldn't track what was going on because every shot was a super close-up. This, right. you have a nice variety of yeah. shot uh, size. You know, there's there's a lot of one-shots and two-shots with uh, just the Doctor and Doctor and Donna. And then there's a lot of group shots where everyone's in the shot and you get a real nice composition there. And then there's these action shots where there's hundreds of people, but you can still make out exactly where everybody is and where the action is because the crane is moving in such a way that it directs your eye. It's very, very well shot. Um, I, is this the one that was directed by the person who did, uh, you know... Yes, uh, yeah, World uh, Enough in Time and Heaven Sent and all yeah. those. All, like, the like, really well-directed episodes. Yeah, it looks She's great. great. She's yeah. a fantastic director. It um, also did Tank Girl. Uh, little Whoa! Classic <laughs> 90s stuff. Uh, but, you know, great, great director. That's um, awesome. I, I did think the directing was pretty good overall, but I felt... I don't know if you guys felt this. The, the unit scenes, maybe it was just the editing, they felt kind of weird to me. The pacing felt kind of off to me in the unit scenes. Like, they were... I don't know. I don't, I can't even put my finger on it. I yeah. can't say exactly was, what it was. I was hypothesizing that there might have been still some residual like COVID restrictions or something, or maybe they just couldn't get all of the, um, all the soldiers in their outfits for a long period of time. So they may have been a little rushed when shooting some of those scenes. But I think ultimately they looked. Yeah, know, they look fine. I don't think it, it looked cheap or anything. It was just. No, just rough. The way it's... I think it's also partially because it's, like, an entirely new set of unit people. It's not like any of the people we've seen before. So it's, like, there's not really time for there to be much of a, like, rapport built between these people and all that stuff. Although I think Kate is coming back next week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, we have a new uh, unit, like, main character who is, I think, very distinct from Kate Stewart and Osgood and, uh, you know, our other you know, Brigadier, other unit mainstays. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any chance that one of you remembers her name? Shirley Ann Brigham. <laughs> it's Shirley Ann Brigham. Um, uh, great. I'm glad that you remembered that and that none of us just completely forgot this incidental character. <laughs> Shirley Ann Bingham, Unit's 56th Scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, she's great. I, she has a lot of personality and she has a great interaction with the Doctor. Um, the one line that everyone is remembering is the joke where the wheelchair shoots rockets and the doctor says, those have rockets? And she says, yeah, they all have. Or they all do. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. And and it's like, what? That's just true, David. That's just actually some some little... uh, (laughs) That's why you have to take a different... That's why you have to take a different um, uh, wheelchair when you go to the airport. Yeah. Right. 
Well, you know, there was discourse about that because they were connecting it back to the discourse about uh, Davros uh, from the the comedy sketch that came out before this uh, episode aired, where they, uh, you know, in an, in a commentary, uh, Davies said that uh, they're they're never going to portray villains uh, with disabilities, uh, or at least not Davros, because he's, uh, you know setting a bad bad example presenting a bad image of uh people with disabilities i, th- I think that's fair enough uh, i mean i don't love the change but i'll i'll hold my criticism until i actually see like a significant his, what his new version of davros is i just i just think it's a less iconic design and i don't really think it i never really thought of him as like a, a disabled guy you know i mean it's like darth vader is part machine but i don't think of him as like a disabled person either but anyway i'll i'll, I'll wait to see what this new version of davros kind of is, really though. is like he, he kind of is just, though yeah he's, he's, he's got a breathing problem telling you know, on yourself victor can. <laughs> no i know exactly it's like part of the thing of science fiction is that it it both allows us to tell more metaphorical stories about things that exist, but it also distracts us mm-hmm. from the things that really exist. And so maybe you need someone like Russell T to just kind of um, just blast through the metaphor, you know? Like, <laughs> he's not a subtle writer. No. So he he has this ability to just take metaphor and just kick it in the teeth and just say, no, we're not talking about the metaphorical meaning of this. We're just discussing what's real in real life there's real gay people i mean but there's real also real people evil people in wheelchairs you know that is, that does happen also um i, I mean I i'm just name five name, name five, five name five evil evil wheelchair users i i i uh, 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 but i'm just saying i i'll I, have as many good wheelchair um, users um, it's okay the um, the teen titans villain who's the brain in a jar he gets like a little wheelchair at one point doesn't he's he? not in a wheelchair I, I he's a brain fictional. in a jar i, I wouldn't count fictional people because that actually just kind of backs up russell's argument which is like that we right. have this association with dis- disability and evilness exactly. which may, maybe we do i just don't see it especially no. not with davros i mean we definitely do what are you talking about i mean with disfigurement i think so but like it, That's my association when i think about yeah, yeah, that that specifically. But Davros like, doesn't have a disfigurement. He well, but is, okay, but it's he is half Dalek, half man. Yeah, he's a ha- right. he's a half Dalek, half man hybrid. <laughs> he has a disability who's... in the sense that he doesn't have uh, he doesn't legs. use legs to get around, and right. he doesn't use eyes to see. He uses prosthetics for both of those things, and he's got a complex life support system that's keeping him alive. But it's keeping him alive for all eternity, like he's right. immortal. So. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where we had this problem when we we had a you know a, a Avatar and disabled. Korra podcast where in these fictional worlds where people are so able-bodied that they have superpowers and whatnot that go far beyond human abilities, it's hard to even conceptualize disability. But uh, okay, I don't think that's true. Like I think, especially in Avatar, we're constantly reminded about Toph. No, this is going right. to be... All right, we need to not go down this road because I'm just about to launch into a whole okay. rant about Avatar now. <laughs> so moving on from this conversation of disability to other sort of, you know, social justice uh, conversations, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, gender and, uh, you know, a gender presentation, sexuality. sex, sex uh, identification and sexuality, and how those are... Uh, introduced in in this first episode i'd love to talk about it um i think it's fine (laughs) (laughs) 
No, no, no comment. I don't know. I mean, like, is it uh, cool that she was there and it was explicit, especially... She being Rose. Uh, right. Rose existing as a, like, trans character like explicitly stated by the narrative especially with the way things are around um trans rights right now in the uk like i think that's a really and in the u.s to be fair and in the u.s but like really in the uk yeah yeah my understanding is it is worse in the uk it's it's way worse than um it is here um yeah but so i i think her being in this at all is good ultimately uh oh absolutely yeah yeah absolutely now let me ask you this uh and i've been meaning to ask you yeah uh what do you think rose identifies as like what was your interpretation it's very interesting i think by the end of the episode she identifies as non-binary but I believe she but this doesn't is, in the beginning of the episode. I don't know. She might. I think so, she is currently identifying as like entirely female, potentially. Right. Well, okay, before is, you say anything, Victor, okay. let me just lay out the evidence as it exists. And then you can comment on whatever ambiguities you see in that. Okay. We know that Rose is referred to as Donna's daughter, mm-hmm. al- always. There's never, Don- you know, this is my child, or, you know, um, you know, this is my grandchild. It's always granddaughter, daughter. Um, they only ever use she, her pronouns mm-hmm. for her, including after uh, the episode is, is done. Uh, they talk about the contrast between referring to her as beautiful versus handsome, and they talk about, uh, you know, her dead name, she chose her own name. Her presentation is entirely feminine. There's mm-hmm. there's not much argument that you could make that it's, um, you know, like a gender-fluid kind of presentation. Uh, but that, has, that says nothing about her internal identity, mm-hmm. which could be that she identifies as a non-binary person... Who uses who, she, her uh, pronouns. Who uses she, her pronouns. And, and female, uh, you know, signifiers like yeah. daughter so, and, uh, yeah. you know, sister. Yeah, yeah, so, so, my, uh, it's not even, like, a great, my concern with this is, like, I, I agree that, like, it's totally possible that she uses she, her pronouns, but identifies as non-binary in some way, and I understand people's identities are unique and different and whatever, but my complaint about it is from, like, an edutainment standpoint which i think like a lot of it the rose character and the dialogue and the discourse of the trans thing i think russell is trying to kind of explain it to like a audience that isn't really hip with it or might not know about a lot of like you imagine this as like a first yeah 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 well i I think but but i think i think i think i well specifically yeah i think i think it it's going to be confusing for some people because there's no discussion about what non-binary means or what her identity is in that capacity and so it kind of conflates the two, I think, for like a layman. And then also there's the whole thing where it's like, oh, trans is beautiful because you're both male and female, which I think is a way that a lot of trans people who exist within the binary would not like to be thought of. They don't want to be thought of as part male and part female. They want to just be thought right. of as the gender that they identify with. Um, so I think that is not necessarily the most like useful uh way to put it um i think 
You can take a second to think about it. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> sorry, I also have to answer a text message really fast. I'm so sorry. I mean, my, my, my suspicion is honestly that Russell just couldn't help himself to the binary, binary, non-binary thing, and he didn't really think of the implications. And, also, and I, yeah, I do at least think for that. Hold on, for that one specific part, I feel like that is like for the people who don't get it. I think it's gonna like be confusing, but mostly just go over their heads. Like, you but know? I think that's probably. Right, I, I think yeah. that's probably right, but I think it's totally. I also think some people will come away with that being like, "Oh, I guess non-binary and trans people are like the same thing," and that's I just mean, like. Yeah, but I, I, think, but I think, to, I, the I, line, think the line, the line, accept the idea the, that there's a couple. There's a lot of people. Who already think of trans people as not being fully whatever they're Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's is. that's what I'm saying. That's so, actually my bigger like, problem with it is the line of like, oh, you're both male and female, and I don't think that's really how Like the doctor who's who's neither male nor female, but is not both either. They're both and more. You but, know, there's some but extra my, thing. My point is which that almost, I think almost uh, makes you know transness. I think like yeah, it's, it's surpassing just, gender as opposed but that's, to that's what I mean. Is reflecting gender to me? It kind of almost adds gender. like a, a weird mysticism and fetishization, almost like oh, they're they're beyond gender. They're they're not. They're better. They're like more than you or me. But also just yeah, I think but trans people who thing, exist Victor. within the gender binary don't <laughs> want to be I, thought of as both male and female. You know, I think that is kind of a weird yes. way of putting it. But I think they're talking about, like, the doctor specifically, you know? But they're also talking about Rose very specifically, too. Like, there is... You also need to take into account, Hannah, that the doctor's gender identity has been dealt with so poorly in the transition to Jodie Whittaker's doctor... I know. ...that you can't really say anything about it that is meaningful. You can't say, oh... The doctor is perf- a perfect blend of man and woman, or the doctor now has this real understanding of being a woman. Because I don't know, in particular, that they and do. Also, right. literally five seconds later, Russell seems to say that he doesn't have a, any greater understanding of gender anymore because he's male presenting, and male presenting is always bad. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I really feel like doesn't make any sense like they could have just been like you hadn't thought of it before and we're really smart together so but it's just we thought i mean i think it, it's just know? russell he wants to be socially woke and he obviously is in tune with like queer stuff because he he himself is a big part of the queer, queer. Community. but but uh i think he also really values being cheeky and like just when it when push comes to shove he he cares more about being cheeky and getting little <laughs> little singers in than he does about getting the message across. I really do think that's kind of true. Well, he he has a real humility about this stuff in interviews where, uh, or you could call it humility or you could call it like being weaselly, but he he tends to throw the questions to uh, trans people who are around him or trans people involved in the production or trans people involved in promotion and see what they think about it more. Because he's kind of just saying like, "Eh, you know, you know me. I'm just an old, but, you know, an old idiot. But, you know, but he, he's also he's also their boss. The but he's yeah. also their boss. So he's throwing it to yeah. Transfield, being like, "Hey, so I did a good job on this, right? I did. A, I didn't. Do, I didn't do anything bad, right? Uh, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. Maybe um, I screwed it up. But I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying like that was, Russell at the stake. He specifically said that in in reference to like uh, talking about his uh, his use of dead naming as a plot device. 
to reveal to the audience what Rose's dead name is, mm. and also to reveal Donna's, uh, you know, uh, tiger momishness or, yeah. or, you know, whatever. Not tiger mom. What, whatever the term is protectiveness, for an overprotective. But, but I don't even think she's being overprotective. I mean, I think like what no, Rose was be like normal. a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, like I think I think any parent would be really upset. Like any parent that like you know gets it right that like accepts yeah. their their. They're trans yeah, kids. Not, I guess not even overprotective. Would be so I don't think it's overprotective. Yeah, it's just protective. I mean, to me, though, like honestly, I thought the best scenes of this episode were all the scenes that didn't have any sci-fi elements to them. They were just like the family <laughs> scenes. Uh, the more sci-fi you got in this episode, the worse I think it became. Other than Beef the Meep, I like Beef <laughs> the Meep. No, I, I disagree. I, with I, I like Beef the Meep, and uh, I, I, this is totally irrelevant. But I liked the new Sonic powers. I thought they looked cool. Uh, but but I thought like yes. the best scenes were like. Just, just the like little family tensions with like Donna and her mom talking about how like her mom, her, the grandma doesn't fully get it yet, and she's like navigating this and all that stuff. Like, cause it feels real, and it's where Russell excels. Like, he's good at real, grounded kind of family drama. I think. Mm-hmm. So, which is just um, like such a the... refreshing dynamic, I have to say. After the Chibnall era, era, when it felt like. You know, it was like four strangers in a room trying to make conversation yeah, for the yeah. first time. I'm, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how bad Chibnall is. Like, just compare any like dialogue from Russell to Ch- it's it's day and night. Like, I just don't understand how someone can have so many seasons and have such little connection between any of the characters. I mean, there's Russell has a very distinctive style as well. I think there are things that you can criticize about you it. You can ultimately. Absolutely. Ultimately, all you end up saying is that's just very Ru- Russell. Yeah. You know, just like you know, having the doctor constantly say "what" uh, in reference to you know other times where he's been baffled and confused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, know, he has his, that his joke things. about Rose. Uh, you know, a few well, too many times. Also, just because Rose he's... having the name of a familiar companion, <laughs> it's too many times. Too many times. But it, that's Russell. Yeah. You, all you can say is that's Russell. But it still it still gets me to care, which episode. is like a writer can have annoying tropes that I disagree with yeah. or whatever, like things in their writing yeah. that I don't like. But it, you have to at least get me to care, which is something Chibnall could never do. Like, yeah. Yeah. N- about any relationship or any character <laughs> or anything, like. Whereas, say what you will about this episode, but I care about the characters in it. And to compare it to Moffat for a second, he really has this sense of warmth between the companions that is not in any way troublesome. You know, like, you know, the... Moffat's doctor and companion pairs, they tend they to have, have toxic relationships. Tension, yeah. or they there's have something toxic. There's some toxicity there, generally. There's some yeah. power imbalance where they can kind of quip uh, but, you know, even with like Bill, who you know, there's no sexual tension. Mm-hmm. There's just, uh, you know, it's you know, professor student, and they they butt heads a lot. And there's there's tension in their disagreements. In in Russell, they disagree sometimes, but it's all so very warm and, and wholesome. I think, uh, even you know, going back to Eccleston. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't think that's uh like necessarily a good thing or a bad thing i think that's just part of his running style yeah, but I, I, do, I do like it um I, I like but i just think it's useful to compare to other yeah, people yeah. Who I, sometimes. yeah 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 <laughs> i think i think it's very wholesome uh, i think he's good at writing family and capturing that warmth and i think yeah. that's a lot of what people latch on to of his writing style yeah um yeah i'd say my favorite scene to sort of contrast with what you said victor about the family scenes being the best i think my favorite scene was probably the scene where uh david Tennant pops on a barrister wig 
Yeah, that's the, and, that seems uh, good too. And and runs the trial to you know determine whether Beep the Meep is really the victim that that, that uh, the Meep says the Meep is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying desperately to use the Meep's you know, you're pronouns. You're doing great. You're you're and. <laughs> Your first two signaling excellently, David. <laughs> well, I have a lot of virtue. <laughs> and a really big um, signal. You, you mentioned the um the new sonic screwdriver powers. Yes. And I I think it's impossible for me to care. But obviously they're gonna run into a situation where using the sonic screwdriver's abilities to make a giant force field will be super useful and it will not be used because they don't have the prop well, or they don't have the the effect in the budget and i think it's already happened that's well, what i'm he, getting a, to when in the second one <laughs> but he doesn't have the sonic screwdriver in the second one. Oh, you're right you're right so they had to write it out you see yeah yeah which is but fine. eventually Given enough time. But right? that's true of the Sonic Screwdriver always, pretty much. Like, it can do almost anything. No, I know. I know. That's why I say it's impo- it's impossible for me to care. Yeah, yeah. Because I... there are some people saying, like, oh, I don't like that the Sonic Screwdriver can do this thing that it's never been shown to do before and will probably never be shown to do again. I... And other people are like, uh, this is the most amazing thing. It's it... such a cool effect. I'm just it's an unapologetic Sonic Screwdriver stand. I, I love the Sonic <laughs> Screwdriver, and I want it to be as OP as possible. Like, I, I loved it during Eleven's tenure when it was just, like, doing crazy shit left and right. Well, what did you think when uh, we lost the Sonic Screwdriver for the shades and whatnot? I thought that was good for Capaldi, because Capaldi is a more toned-down, more grounded, kind of more mature take on the Doctor anyway. But I, I like the Sonic Screwdriver from a kind of, like... Uh, fantasy perspective from like a personal fantasy perspective it's like oh like i want you know it's just like having a lightsaber or something like you want it to be something cool and badass and so i like i like powerful sonic screwdrivers but i also do think that uh it's probably is better writing when it's toned down but my inner like nine-year-old loves a powerful sonic screwdriver is really what i'm saying (laughs) i think that's fair you like it when they can use it and just blow up yeah. all the things in the room. Yeah, I love it that. Explode. I love it because it's so badass. I'm like, man, I wish I had a no, Sonic okay. screwdriver. It's like it's like web shooters, you know. I, I it's like something that I want, you know. That's that's what but, I like about it. But do you it. like it when the web shooters can shoot mainly just one web, or do you like it when in the comics like they'll be like, ah, like I'll web use balls my and web stuff? Balls yeah, I like web balls. Yeah, web. web balls are badass. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'll all make a for baseball bat out of webs. You know, I am, like you, I'm you all for gadgets. I'm all for webs. I'm all for gadgets from fictional properties being <laughs> badass and powerful because uh, it, right. it appeals to my nine year old self. Okay. I like a, a hero with a very limited tool set, so they have to use a really clever solution. But I know that that can be difficult to write. Um, for example, <laughs> the resolution of this episode, <laughs> the Starbies, where we have this uh, contrived spaceship that destroys the city if it launches, uh, which is something we've seen before in Boomtown, uh, also a Russell-written episode, uh, <laughs> that there will be mass death, but the evil alien doesn't care because all they want to do is leave. Uh but then the way to solve it is that you have to s- sit in the sort of cargo bay like it's not the it's it, it, it's not the pilot seat it's just sort of like a separate area of the spaceship for intruders i guess <laughs> 
And then you have to hit all of the buttons while saying complete Russell T. Davies nonsense, which has always been my, my least favorite trope of his. But again, all I can really say about it is it's very Russell. It's very Russell. Um, and then as you're doing that, naturally, a big glass door <laughs> splits the room in two. Maybe as a security measure, maybe just at random, maybe as part of the launch sequence, unclear. Uh, and then once that happens, you need someone else on the other side of the glass, again, in what it, whatever this room is on the spaceship, to, <laughs> to type other things. And say other uh, techno babble, and that's how you resolve the plot. Um, yeah, the resolution was definitely my least favorite part of this episode. Yeah. Right. Well, Russell loves to separate the well, doctor from the thing he needs to get to with a glass wall. I mean, like, yeah. Like in uh, the end of time part. Two. Yeah, he really and does love doing the that. following special. <laughs> yes. That's correct. But the Another other thing, glass door. the other thing that it really looks bothers like the exact me, exact same like glass door. You know, I just I was like, okay, yeah. I get it. It makes sense. You have two glass doors, but it's okay. like you you really had to use the exact same one. Yeah. The yeah. other the other thing that really bothered me about it is like he's like, oh no, I'm gonna have to kill Donna and activate her superpowers <laughs> to press buttons that I can clearly see through this glass door and could just. It's like five. I rewatched it long. too. No, it's like she has to press like twenty buttons. Like it's like I rewatched it. It's not that many buttons she has to press. He definitely had time to just tell her what to press. But also, he makes such a big deal in the very beginning of the episode. It's like she can never remember me. If she remembers me, yeah. she blows up. And then he d- proceeds to do absolutely nothing to try to cover it up. Like, and it's never addressed. Other than like that, yeah. the the mom keeps getting really worried about it. The gram or right. grandma or uh, yeah, you know. Sylvia is I well characterized. Sylvia is the best well, character funny, in the episode. I think she's well the performed. Mo- and, and, and I always found her to be one of the more poorly written. Like even compared to Jackie Tyler, she's a horrible mother. Uh, yeah, she's so know, she's who so is negative. Treated horribly by the plot and by the doctor, you know. So. The fact that she was given some kind of uh, meager redemption while still allowing her to be kind of a flawed, uh, you know, person in the sense that, you know, she doesn't always know what's right to say about her new granddaughter. Uh, You know, that's great. I love the way Sylvie's characterized. But in any case, this this thing about the the metacrisis and the resolution thereof, first of all, it requires us to have this extensive recap sequence at the beginning of the episode where the doctor is just standing in front of a green screen in order to like establish these stakes it the stakes are not the same as they were in the end of time part two where any exposure to alien stuff is a big enough threat that it triggers uh a a a, what was it what did he call it a booby trap or a a backup device what do you remember what he calls it in end of time part two oh when it like explodes and she knocks out all the masters donna sees a bunch of the master yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, something supernatural and alien is happening. My head is flooding with memories of other supernatural and uh, alien occurrences that I've observed. But instead of dying, like the doctor said that she would, her brain shoots out a blast of doctor. She has energy, a brain blast. And then she passes out and forgets what she just saw. So I think he calls it a safeguard. or Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's something like that. So he build, he's about. able to build that in to the mind wipe 
but is not able to foresee a situation where the energy has dissipated over time by her giving birth to a child is that am i am i reading that correctly yeah i mean that 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 part of it, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the Metacrisis thing has always been kind of silly. I've never been a huge fan of it, to be honest. Sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah, Journey's End happened. You can't, you can't I know, I know, Journey's End happened. And I don't mind it that much in Journey's right. End, but yeah, I, I think subsequently the more it's visited, it's more like it's silly. But I'm, I think mostly we're done with it, and I think passing it on genetically is fine. I do think it's weird that the implication is that Rose is trans because of the Metacrisis. Yeah. It's a little it's a little Alex Jonesy. It's a little Alex Jonesy that the the Metacrisis the is making trans. the freaking frogs. Okay. okay, yeah. Um I I do uh, think that that is an interpretation that's valid. I don't think that it was intended oh, or no, even not at all. Uh I don't I, don't I think, think it is intended. Really that textually supported. I think well, it's I, literally what he says. Know, Literally, well, he says. Take a second to actually think about what is said, and I'll say what my interpretation was, which is that the point of those lines is to say, "Oh, Rose chose her own name, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big part of, uh, you know, her Trans revealing identity. that she had these these sort of genetic memories mm-hmm. of the Doctor's adventures." But it doesn't make her trans. It's just the fact that she's well, trans no, because, revealed. But but then at the same time, they're also knowledge. talking about like oh, because she's like the doctor, male and female. Like I, I'd have to go back and yeah. look at the exact wording. But I think it's it's very much that's the implication you're supposed to take away. Right. Well, I just think the alternate interpretation, which I, I'm not saying is well conveyed at all, is just that because she's trans, she has the ability to tap into it in some way or because I don't know the implication that she like is the doctor I think is bad on its face because you know she should just be Rose yeah that's my point yeah that's that's one of my weirdness about it yeah I think she should just be herself I don't think she needs to have the time vortex stuff but I feel the same way about Donna you know so so you know what like what you know what are you supposed to do All right you've already done you've already done journey's end you've you've written yourself into a position where if you're going to reintroduce these characters you have to address why is she not uh, melting from the sheer brilliance of a doctor's brain yeah you know <laughs> i mean i didn't um, i didn't hate the like she passed some of it on to her kid thing you know no like, that's fine yeah, i think, I think that's the, it's believable enough that's reasonable enough. I think it's just the implication that that's... Because I do think that that is kind of the implication, is that she is trans because of that, and the doctor has yes. like is multi-gender, and so therefore she is too. Which I just think is weird, and I think you could have just left it at, at her... Like, it, there doesn't need to be a reason why she's trans, you know? I mean, the doctor yeah. isn't trans either. Yeah, that's all... Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, like I mean, I guess the doctor, the doctor is, is gender is fluid. different genders at you... different points. But the doctor did not once she transitioned into David Tennant, decide, I am a woman now, I'm going but to be referred to as she, her pronouns, and I'm going to, I mean, that's you know, a very specific reading. Whitaker. Well, like, I just think... I just, David is, like, a very but that, No, I'm saying that's what trans. Rose does, so... No, 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 that's not what I'm doing. Okay. Don't, don't box me in here. <laughs> that's what it <laughs> sounds like, what you just described. What I'm saying is I'm contrasting Rose's experience right. of being trans with whatever trans experience the doctor might be having. Sure. You know? They're different. 
They're different, so, but I think you to can say that the doctor's classify. brain causes it doesn't make any sense. Because the doctor doesn't experience transness the same way. So yeah, why is it? I would say it is a But it's, it's not just the doctor. It's the doctor's effect on the human brain. It's as reasonable as saying, well, Rose's mother is a woman, so therefore Rose should also be a woman. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's, it doesn't track because their experience of, yeah, because their experience of gender is just different. There's no, there's no comparison there. I, I don't right, know. Um, I, I agree yeah, that I, I, it I, shouldn't work. I think you're arguing that what the show is trying to imply is bad and shouldn't work. But I think the show is right. implying it. Okay. I hear you. Um, do you guys have a favorite uh, scene or a moment that you'd like to discuss? I already said what my favorite scene was. And you said what your favorite scene was. Hannah, what was your favorite scene? <laughs> my gosh i don't know it was all just like really fun i like i'm trying to uh it was probably the button pushing scene it's just fun the button pushing Push the when button they're at pushing. the end when donna I gets just her get memories so... back oh really that was so, like uh... one of my least favorite scenes yeah, that, yeah that i got so annoyed by him saying you've got to flux the transistors of the I've... zero point gravity well well no that's not what bothered me what bothered me is i i hate when i I tend it just goes too dramatic too quickly sometimes and he he's just like why why does it have to be me that has to kill my best friend oh dear that's a good point dear lord and it's just it's just too much it's too that 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 was too much in my opinion that that bothered me a little see i would i would truly disagree with both of you for both of those reasons. Like, those are the reasons that I enjoyed it. I truly am, like, the right. Tumblr fangirly representation here. Because, you know, what do we love about David Tennant? We love him being bombastic. We love him saying what? We love him pushing buttons, you know? Like, if David Tennant is coming but back... But I didn't like that when it was out. But yeah, I, I did, I, I, and a million but, other but David, people did. David, there's also... We're not in the Target demo. We're not, we're not even... David Tennant's not our favorite doctor, you know? So we're not... Yeah. That's what people like about David Tennant. They like his glasses, and they like that he has pop culture references, and that yeah. he's, a, he's a skinny man. Yeah. yeah. He didn't talk about he's Lion King or anything in this one. Um, um, actually, okay, wait. Now that... Uh, but then when Victor was talking about the melodrama, I realized that my favorite scene was probably when the doctor and Donna are alone in the TARDIS at the very end and sort of just like talk to each other before Donna spills mm. her coffee. Um, I really liked that scene as well. Um, how, how, oh, this is something we could talk about, which is um, I know Russell said beforehand, before the episodes came out, he was like, the 14th Doctor is going to have a very different personality from the 10th Doctor. It's going to be a totally different character. And it's, there's like a line where hedging, he's like... Hedging th- your bets. There's like a line where he's like... The Doctor's like, oh, do I say I love people now? That's so that's so mm-hmm. different. But there's really... This character is almost identical to the 10th Doctor we've seen. Like, there's really not yeah. very much difference. Yeah. Other I than that his vest is tighter than writer. ever. His vest is it tighter just, than ever. It really is too tight. I don't know what they're doing it's with too the tight. one button. They gave him like a chill. Yeah, it gave him like a child's vest. I don't know what's going no, on. No, I I think it's the style. Like it's on purpose. Like yeah. with the one button buttons, because that's sort of the. It's style. like an exaggerated version of his costuming back in the day. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, but, okay, did anyone know, else I, feel like his hair was very incredibly red in uh in this it's episode? A, it's a color correction thing. More, it, they have the saturation way up. Okay, for, is for that reason. what it is? Because I was just gonna say, yeah. like, did this overlap with Good Omens filming? Because they did <laughs> uh, dye his hair red for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah might have. Yeah, no, it's definitely a more vivid uh, color scheme than uh, season four was. Um, yeah. And they can kind of get away with that because of the lighting. Um, but, I like the new TARDIS know, design. What do you think of the new TARDIS design? Yeah. Big. big. It's big. Blue. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit too <laughs> sterile. Like, I wish it had more... Like, I like the more, like, kind of organic or, like, lots of little pieces TARDIS designs. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think there's a lot of great leveling choices um you know like i think it's a really dynamic space to work in from like a character perspective what 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 are you talking about like from a staging perspective like there the there's multiple layers like, right the multiple layers I, the highs the lows i, I mean, like the, the multiple layers always had that you know or not always but like often not always has but that. it's very it's like 11th doctor also had a lot of multiple layers to the yeah. titles, and i like that layout a lot um yeah, I mean, my main problem is just it's too white and, like, it's too, like, I early 2000s, like, Mac aesthetics. Or, like, just, like, Mac aesthetic where it's, like, super white and clean and pristine. The TARDIS, the TARDIS book pro. But I, I also get what they're going for. I mean, that's it's alluding to, like, the, you know, the classic TARDIS layout, which was, like, white with, like, those bulbs yeah. on there. No, he's he's talked about this in interviews that it's, like, we've been seeing a lot more white TARDISes uh, lately. And he's, like... I think I'll be having that, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think I'll have I some me of that. I want me some of that. All right, I, th- I think we've covered the bulk of it. Maybe we'll we'll find a point that we feel like we need to go back to. No, uh, but let's, let's move on. You know, I, we I barely think... talked about the psychedelic sun. And <laughs> you, right. Oh, here was something. That, that unit in Russell T's imagination, it has to kind of play this dual role as the fascist government organization that terrorizes the doctor and also a group of friends a fun little gang you know so that's uh th- that's always something that's interesting to me in the way that he uses unit and torchwood uh to do both of these things yeah, that I'm, are kind of opposites based on what unit is like how incredibly militaristic is in, in this and special yeah, yeah um you know, I I'm very. Like the first thing they do is they like see a reporter and they go, no, no, nothing to see here. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I'm very curious how Russell is going to deal with Unit moving forward. Because um, I, I the same way he always has. Uh, yeah, same I think way he I think he's going gonna... with contradictions because that he's a he's a writer of many contradictions. But he doesn't really. Sh- his... I don't even think he really is depicting them as fascist. I mean, I think the only real to- like I mean, Unit's... all Torchwood is. <laughs> Torchwood is, but units always presented as like they're just good, you know. Except for the only real no, time where I feel like their no. militantism is really brought forward is like during the Capaldi era, where he's like what has to order drone strikes and stuff. Unit, you just unit does the Osterhagen key in Journey's End, like yeah. that's the whole. No, he he always wants to have it both ways. In Santarin stratagem, you know, the Doctor will yell at somebody for being a warmonger, and it's usually a unit person. Uh, you know, in uh, oh god, he's he's always got problems yeah. with these soldiers and their guns and whatnot. Yeah. But at the same time, oh, they're the most brilliant. Oh, it's run by the most brilliant woman you've ever met. And you know, like they're taking care of Wilf. Yeah, they're taking care of Wilf. Good honor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
so, you know, he always wants to have it both ways. And I think he should. He should be allowed to. Uh, because it's a complex thing, yeah, right? You know, I think like, you're fine. But I'm just saying, I, I prefer. National like, I, I, I guess I, I was wrong. I didn't remember all that stuff. But now that you brought it up, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I guess I just prefer it when it's actually explored, which I think was most thoroughly explored in the Capaldi era, because he is placed in this kind of general of unit mm. uh, seat a lot of the times. But Moffat has a much less uh, contradictory vision <laughs> for it, which in some ways is better narratively, but it's. It's less complex yeah. because it's less contradictory. Well, I don't know if it's less complex or it's less contradictory. I mean, the doctor has this very clear thing of like, I respect these people, but they need me to tell them what to do. That's basically in every uh, in every Moffat appearance of unit is it's some variation on they're very brilliant, but they they're uh, all are, idiots compared to me. They're they're all idiots compared to me, yeah. Which is not a contradiction. It, it, there's no there's no implication that what they're doing comes but from I mean, some But what I'm saying is it's, it's an extension of the, the doctor's or... own kind of issues with militantism because obviously he's like super anti-militant, but at the same time he's the guy who blows up planets, you know, when he decides that yeah. it needs to be done. Um, yeah. So there's contradiction within him, but I think Unit is, is uh, much more... Yeah, I, I guess unit is used Solid. as a way to kind of explore that internal contradiction rather than exploring unit itself uh, more as so. a contradiction. All right, we're gonna wrap we're gonna wrap up this week's podcast for now. Uh, we're done talking about the Star Beast. Next time, join us and talk about Wild Blue Yonder. Yeehaw! I don't know. The, I can't sing the song. If I could sing the song, I'd sing it. Wild Blue Yonder. Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's not how it goes. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs>